Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is Thursday, June 8th, and whoa, what a week for Clemson recruiting. Even though we thought some big things could happen, I don't think anybody thought this big. And does it sound like it's over? So the best way to follow all this, as always, is TigerIllustrated.com. Paul Strilo, been at the forefront of it all. He is a master of somehow keeping his fingers on all the pulses of all these different developments. Sign up right now. You're not going to be disappointed. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, one of the reasons for Clemson's big surge in recruiting, not just this year, but last summer as well, is the addition of Nick Eason, the Clemson alum, who has a hell of a story. Unlike any other life story, that he undoubtedly shares pieces of with recruits and players. Back in March, we sat down with Nick for three-plus hours to tell his story from beginning to end for a feature we did at TigerIllustrated.com. And now we're going to roll it out in three parts. Part one starts right now. The uncut audio from our sit-down with Nick Eason. Let's see. We start from the beginning. Man, I'm, I'm from, from Lyons, Georgia. I always make sure I tell people that it's spelled um, L-Y-O-N-S, not L-I-O-N-S. Um, Lyons, or Lyons, uh, depending on if you're from there or not. But um, very small town, population of about, um, I don't know, maybe four to 6,000 people. Um, very... Uh, it's not much going on there. Uh, when I was there, it was a uh, piggly wiggly. You don't see those too often anymore. And um, there was a huddle house, you know, in terms of going out to eat. And then we had a place called, uh, I don't, there, there wasn't a place to go out to eat at there when I was there um, as a kid. Oh, Dairy Queen. So Dairy Queen and kind of piggly wiggly, I mean, a uh, huddle house where you're like two 
places that you can go and get something to eat. And then you have to travel to Vidalia, which is the neighboring city. If you want some type of, you know, 10 bucks, you know, all you can eat buffet, you know, type style, which is Western. They call it Western Sizzler or Captain's Corner, um, which is the two restaurants and or Shoney's. Um, which Shoney's back then um, really didn't was not popular as it is now. But um, small town. So um, my mother, um, Iris Wilcox, um, you know, conceived me at the high school. So something that I've learned, well, she didn't conceive me at the high school, but I have to see why she was in high school her right. senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I discovered um, probably maybe, you know, it's probably after she passed on, but that my dad and my mom, my dad was coaching and my mom was a senior around the same time high school coaching oh wow yeah and and so i haven't confirmed but if my mom was pregnant in her senior year and my dad was around like you know uh i don't know if she was pregnant in her senior year but it was around that time you know and he was a you know obviously a young coach just starting out but I think that's how they met. Now, whether they were together while while I was, you know, while she was in high school or not, I don't know. All right. Um, but so I was, you know, that's that's my mom, single mom, high school. Um, my grandparents um, were um, 14. My grandmother was 14. My grandfather was 17 when they got married. Um, they both... Um, Got, ended up getting their GEDs, but they had to quit school to just work back then. Like it was, man, if you had responsibilities, responsibilities came before education. And so they um, were very uh, blue collar workers. My grandfather was a mechanic. Um, he was he was a, a carpenter mechanic. He was a pastor and he was like a jack of all trades. He can do anything. Literally, he could fix anything. Well, I thought it, I mean, he really could. Um, there was not something that he he could he he was gonna try to work on it himself and repair it before he gave it away or hired somebody to do it. Which back then, I I just think like you know really probably couldn't afford to hire anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my grandmother was really the was she was like a uh, uh, have you ever seen Medea? Uh, you know Tyler Perry, the Medea. You know, anyways. If you if you talk about Medea, people would know who Medea is. My grandma was like a Medea. She was a, a, a the grandmother that would say anything to anybody, a All loose right. cannon. So that's if people know my grandmother, they can they'll kind of come to know like where did my personality come from, and that's my grandmother is like the loose cannon. You know, the type of person that if you come to the door and you've gained weight as a man, you're like, oh my gosh, look at you. You almost need a bra. Your titty's so big, you know, that type of thing. Like one of those grandmas. One of those grandmas that you got to have a, a conversation with your friend or girlfriend that's going to come and I was like, hey, just FYI, like, my grandma may say something crazy. Don't take it personal. Yeah. Like, but sweet, you know, in the church, both of them were in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. And so, uh, but they took care of me, man. We, we lived in this 
uh, Pink House, which I've shared on social media before, um, that had uh, you know four bedrooms, well one, two, three, four bedrooms, and because uh, my mom, when I was born, left me with my grandparents, so she went on to college because my grand grandparents are big into education. So my mom went on to college. She went to Tiff College, which is an all-girls school. Um, she majored in mathematics. And then down the road, uh, later on, once she got into her teaching career, she be, she had she uh, obtained her master's degree in counseling. And so my grandparents raised me um, at home, at the house, four bedrooms, one bathroom. I mean, it was, uh, there's not, it was probably it, enough room for a basic uh, tub, a basic sink. I'm talking about a, a, just a sink and a toilet. Whatever space that can be confined is enough for you to sit on the toilet. That's how much space is in the bathroom. Just enough for you to turn around, like get in the tub, wash your hands. Like it was like a closet, like very small. Um, and then my room, I share with um, my uncle, who was my, my brother, um, my Uncle Vince. But, you know, his, his name is Julian Holland. And uh, so me and him slept in that room. And then my aunt who's like my sister uh, Angie she slept in her, her, another room and then um, we also had my great great grandmother who ended up passing when she was like 106 wow. um, in another room and so my grandmother took care of her grandmother who happened to be a midwife who was the um, daughter um, of a uh, slave owner oh, man. Um, it was one of those you know slave slave owner got together had this child and you know so she was man is white looking as you could ever possibly imagine so my family at family reunions you have this group of people who look like you know where in the world like are you white or like what's yeah. your and then you have people like myself who are very dark skinned yeah. but that's where the fair side of my family like my great grandmother all of her daughters including my grandmother's mother were all like fair white looking people mm -hmm. and and so she was a midwife and she delivered babies that was her job like so she was born in 18 the late 1800s wow. and so she was still living by the time I from what I know she was you know get to a point where she was kind of you know slow moving in a wheelchair you know then eventually in the bed you know in the hospital bed at home that type of thing but I mean, she lived a, a really long life, and so, um, so she was there. And then, like, you know, I was the typical kid that was outside barefooted, you know, climbing trees, you know, roaming off in the woods, um, you know, building playhouses out of wood, um, you know. Um, I was just outside all the time. There was no, I didn't having a PlayStation or a Nintendo. Like I was, you know, either outside making dirt bombs trying to fight dirt like you know throw rocks like trying to find water outside a pond or a ditch you know doing something like crazy or you know having a dirt bomb fight with my friends that type of kid you know so for me like you know my dad my biological father was I never really knew who he was um never was around um never part of my life still isn't you know to this day so it was just my mom, my grandmother, and my grandfather, and then my aunt and uncle. And uh, 
I mean, man, we had, you know, chickens around the house. Um, just, they were not, and they were just, we had a chicken, like, coop, but they were, like, in the yard everywhere. Uh, I remember we had a goat, you know. Um, we had a swimming pool, I come to find out, was a feeding trough for, like, horses. <laughs> and that's where you swim? Yes, where it was, like, a round thing, but it was, like, a feeding trough for, like, horses or slash cows that we called the pool. And right, and so I told everybody we have a pool at the house. Like, and I that was like I didn't know it was a feeding trough until like I got older, you know. But I thought like that was our that it was a pool to me, you yeah. know. And we could slide and move it around as long as it wasn't no water. I mean, wasn't any uh, um, you know water in it. I could pull it and move it around the yard and um, like aluminum or plastic. It, it was uh, like aluminum. Okay. Yeah, man, and and. And that was our pool until we fill it up and get in there. And I mean, it was life was great. Um, we we built our own like utility shed out of tin, you know, house with just whatever we had, you know. Um, you know, I, we, we didn't. I didn't have central heater air like until actually I got the Clemson. Um, you know, it was box fans in the windows. You know, eventually. And then we transitioned. I used to, and then we had a, a, a air conditioning units in the windows. But you know, um, you know, like I said, my grandmother and grandfather, they you know was taking care of myself, my aunt, my uncle, um, my great grandmother. And so, man, you had to be very smart about spending money. And so, you know, generally we would you know not run the air conditioning unit, the window unit, unless we had to. So for the most part, man, I just you know had the fan. You know, I've you know, slept on the floor and taking and put sheets over a fan and just create kind of like this igloo of wind, like a wind tunnel, just sleep under that. Um, you know, there were, you know, holes in the floor you could see down underneath um, to the ground. I mean, which I thought was cool. <laughs> it was like, um, you know, um, it was, that's all I knew. I mean, but I thought it was the best thing ever. Like I had no worries in the world. Um you know, my grandparents, you know, took very good care of me. Um, like I said, my grandfather was a pastor. Um, I remember when I first started playing the drums, I was four years old. I was mm. playing in church at five, like service, mm. five years old. I mm. could keep beat and I was just, just, it was natural for me. I don't remember. I never got lessons. I just, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing, man. I just could go and just, I joined the drums and like, I've always been coordinated. Well, come to find out my dad you know, my mom and dad, like I told you, they were never married, never together. Well, my dad was a um, a lead singer for a, a band. Okay. And so he traveled because I started trying to figure out, like, you know, I have 13 brothers and sisters outside of my mom, you know, m my mom and dad having me. And my mom ended up getting married. And I have a little brother and little sister, which we'll talk about in a second. But, you know, um, my dad was a lead singer of a band. He played guitar very crafty built his own house um jack of all trades can sing and so all the talents and things that i have like it it's genetic passing yeah. it down you know really and truly um and then and then and then it just so happened that my grandfather was the same way he could sing was part of a group but he wasn't you know he was all gospel group um but he could sing play the drums i mean he could do it all too you know and then my uncle, who was raising raised in the house with me for a short period of time until he obviously, you know, he's about 55, so he's about 15 years older than me. I mean, he was there, you know, with me maybe 
you know, five, five years, maybe six years, seven years until he graduated and then he moved kind of out, you know, both of them and my aunt, she left and went on to the military. Um, but man, I, I, so my dad was a musician and traveled everywhere, man. And I, I have, you know, 13 brothers and sisters, some who I've met just in the last 15 years, you know, and didn't know, but there, there's like, I mean, if I'm kind of off the top of my head, just cast Linda, Tori, um, Junior, um, Stephanie, um, um, uh, uh, Terry. I mean, it's like eight different women, you know. Um, and 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 just just over time, and so I was like, man, like, and but then you know you don't ask, and so as you get older, and I'm like, start trying to piece two and two together. I'm like, how in the world do you have like, okay, you got this woman was here. This one's over here. And, like, they're all spread out over the southeast. And then you go back and find out the history behind it. Like, he was a he was a lead, he was a freaking, you know, lead singer of a band. And they traveled. And so, when you go saying you meet women, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of, you know, that was that was in his younger days before he got into coaching. So, because okay. here's the deal. I'm second to last of that in 13. Uh-huh. You know, I'm towards the end. Like, I have a younger sister who is, you know, um, younger than me. I mean, Castle's probably, you know, six years, you know what I mean? So she's probably 35, maybe, somewhere in there, 36 now. But I was, you know, right before her. So, you know, we're number 12 and 13. So I'm 12, she's 13. So, um, but I never knew him. You know, I probably met him maybe once or twice. Um, growing up as a kid, my grandfather was everything for me. And so, um, you know, being raised in a, you know, in that spiritual home, like my grandparents never forced religion on me. Um, it's, it was kind of like, you know, but I respected them. Um, you know, you know, I wasn't allowed to be watching, you know, uh, shows that had a bunch of profanity in it. Um, I wasn't, you know, listening to a bunch of rap music out loud or music that had profanity in it. If I did and wanted to hear some rap music, I'll put on a headset just out of respect. But they were really cool. Like my grandfriend, and they were, you know, they had the moments where they were clowns. They were clowns. My grandma had a big personality like me. Mm-hmm. Grandfather was more reserved, very quiet. Pastor, bishop, um, he did all of that. You know, clergy work. He was, you know, a mechanic. He, you know, detailed cars for a while. He was a pastor. You know, he was the chap- uh, chaplain at the hospital. He was a chaplain for hospice. I mean, he was just everywhere, you know, all the time, which is why a lot of people knew who I was, too, before I became what I've become today. You know, I was Bishop Holland's grandson. You know, they never, they kind of, those Holland and Eason, because I, my mom, um, you know, um, you know, my dad signed my birth certificate, you know what I mean? But he was never around, which kind of like, for a while, I was like, my mom, like, why would you, you know, why'd you let him say, I'd rather have been a Holland. I never, yeah. I've never felt like I needed to have a Holland you know, I want to holler until my grandfather passed. And I was like, man, you know what I mean? Like, he deserved, like, you know, you know the um, success I've had, you know, I rather, I wish my name would have been, like, Holland. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's kind of how I felt. But, you know, growing up as a kid, and had nothing to worry about, man. I, I just, I went to elementary school back when they paddled people. You got paddled when you did wrong. Um, they would allow, you know, my grandmother, which I didn't want them to call to come into school and, and paddle me. My mom was obviously, went off to college, got an uh, undergrad, 
master's degree. I mean, got a master's degree in counseling, came back. So she was actually moved with me throughout my school. Like she was at elementary school, counselor, Mm -hmm. teaching there. And then she went to the middle school, counseling. And then she went to high school, you know, counseling slash teaching. So... Was she living? She lived in Lyons, yeah. She with, did, my grandparents. So I live in the house, and then, like, my mom, um, she, she bought a mobile home, and it was, like, in our, in the same, like, block of, like, on the same lot, okay. but in front of the house. So I grew up on about, it's probably, like, seven, eight acres, but it's plots. They're plotted off by different properties, you know what I mean? Different, you know, plots. If you go to the courthouse, it's plots. Mm-hmm. And so my mom... Um, you know, live like right in front of my my grandmother's like we call it pink house. It was the main house where all of us really were raised. Um, and so um, my grandmother, my so my grand and grandma grandfather um, had six kids: um, my aunt Vivian, um, my uncle Kenneth, um, Anthony, um, my mom Iris, and then Julian and Angie. It was six of them, and so. Um, Mont Vivian was a missionary in the church who actually would practice with me, um, playing the drums in the house. She passed at age 38. She got mm-hmm. septic and died in 1989. Um, my uncle, uh, Kenneth, we call him Uncle Boo, um, was in the military, um, became a chef, um, worked at in Millersville, Georgia. And uh, I always tell people, like, you know, he's one of my uncles I, I learned that got my toughness from. Um, really respected uh, my granddad and grandmother. Um, he's dealt with this, you know, you know, ups and downs in his life. You know, um, you know, um, just some addictions. You know, um, at some point in time in his life. You know, but he was awesome, respectful, best cook you ever known. If it, if there's gonna be somebody grilling, it was gonna be him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my uncle Tony, same thing, former military. And but he was a jack of all trades, man. He cut grass, he could fix things. Um, he, um, you know, he, um, you know, could could uh, lay concrete. He could, you know, um, you know, build things. Carpenter, you know, uh, he worked in the fields and and he done everything. Had some addictions as well. Um, and so those two uncles really just taught me a toughness and grit. Grit. That's where I got that from. And my uncle Vince too, um, and so so then my mom and then my uncle Vince, who I was raised in the room with, same thing. He's currently my pastor now, but growing up, man, he really just you know all about hard work, um, doesn't drink, don't curse, you know, um, and, and just really just was a hard worker. I mean, we worked for sun up sundown, and he still does that to this day. Um, and I think he's fifty six years old, mm-hmm. and uh, so he's. So, and then my aunt, um, Angie, who's the baby of the crew, my mom, and then obviously my mom and my uncle and my aunt, Angie, who's the baby of the group, um, she was, she went off, and so she was gone for pretty much, she left at age 18, you know, and she, she's been gone ever since, so I don't really see her much, and then so out of all the six kids, only two of them are living. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother, before she passed a couple, a year and a half ago, buried six, uh, four of her six children. Wow. You know, so none of my... Um, uncles, I don't think live past the age of. Um, none of the kids, my aunt's uncles live past the age fifty three. My mm-hmm. mom died at fifty. Like a brother, I think my uncle Tom may have been fifty three. My uncle Boo was maybe fifty one. Mom Vivian thirty eight. You know, my mom died at fifty. 
Um, and then my uncle now, I think it's 56. And then my aunt, I don't really know how old she is right now at this point. Um, but she might be 19 years older than me. So she may be, you know, 50 or just turned 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, and and then so, you know, I, you know, it, growing up, I played, you know, um, you know, rec ball, rec baseball, football, basketball. I actually played quarterback um, in rec ball. Play running back, tight end. You know, when you're in rec ball, you play everything, every position. And so, if you're a coach, you're just trying to win. You want to put your best players um, in the position to make plays. I remember playing basketball where they would set me down at halftime because I'd already have like 35, 40 mm-hmm. points at halftime just because I was just so much more advanced. I didn't have a coach, you know, really. I just had a – I mean, I, I had a, a man-made basketball goal for one point in time, a piece of wood, and it just – you know, put up a uh, you know where you find a rim, and you made you made the back back because you couldn't afford to buy one, so you had a piece of plywood and you put the rim on there and you just kind of use that as a as a makeshift like basketball goal. Put it on a piece of a post and mm-hmm. sit it up there, and that was my basketball goal. And I I lived out there, I lived in the yard playing. You know, we used to call this game called Man Get the Ball Get Busted. And you used to throw the ball up, and whoever caught it, you just run, and people just try to tackle you. And so that's kind of my experience with football. Um, but, man, I, I football, basketball, baseball, um, track, you name it. There was nothing else to do in Lions. That was just it. It was church, sports, home, and then obviously, you know, as I got older, girls, you know. But, I mean, it was – it was it was a cool place, man. Just growing up there, as I look back, I, it was peaceful. I learned a lot of things later on in life, like just you know that there was like race, racial tension there. Um, you know the segregated proms. Uh, I think my high school had segregated proms up to like two thousand four or five. They had a black white and a uh, black white and a Hispanic prom. It was segregated. And so separate proms. Yes, black prom, white prom, different events. Black homecoming queen, white homecoming queen, publicly like that was. And I thought that was like normal. Yeah. I mean, it was normal for me back then. Um, going to cafeteria, black kids over here, white kids over here. I mean, they were like I had a lot of my teammates. I was cool with them. Like as teammates, they were good people, um, good families, and everybody that. <laughs> Everybody in the whole town is not racist. I mean, you had your people that just, some people just didn't know what they just didn't know. Like me, I didn't know what I just didn't know, you know. Um, And, you know, it was, you know, it was a very unfortunate, you know, situation, you know. But, um, you know, I had, so my cousin, my oldest aunt who passed away, Vivian, her son, she had an older son named Gary. Um, Gary was seven years old. I think this is in 1972. He was walking um, um, down the street, and my grandmother. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pl- go. This is going to another story that happened to me. So my, because Gary walks seven years old, man, lady, um, intoxicated, drunk, runs him over, drags him like 200 feet, like she doesn't stop as she hit him. He's seven, and uh, my grandmother, um, you know, watched him die. So she saw this. Oh yeah, well she didn't see it happen because he was walking across town by herself. I don't know who he. I don't know if he was present with somebody, but somebody hit him, and so she was there at the hospital when he died. Oh. And so she had told me um, 
that was the only time that she ever felt like she hated white people. Mm. But she never, you know, she, my 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 under, aunt married a you know a white guy, and my and my my uncle has a you know child from a white woman. So we, and then my my mom, my grandmother, you know, worked with or for a white lady um, for an extremely long time, who became our, one of our best friends. They took care of each other. Um, but yeah. You know, like we, she had that experience, um, and so like was the woman prosecuted? No. Nothing. No. Just got off. Got off. Just shove it under the rug. Shove it on the rug. How does that affect? Oh man, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's just I can't imagine how you process. They that. used to call my. Uh, they used to say that tombs were like bloody tombs because it was like you can kill and get away with it wow. down there, but. You know, I didn't experience a lot of race racism personally for me. Um, I knew that there was a lot of uh, racial tension around me. Um, I think I got protected or some of it I didn't see. I heard stories and I've been part of stories, um, um, you know, throughout my life. Like you hear stories like that until um, my sophomore year in high school. I met this young lady. Um who was the daughter of uh, a counselor and uh, we started dating and I remember my grandparents um, she was you know she I would she could she come over my house but I never could go over hers and and I knew why I wasn't going that that wasn't going to work and so my grand she came to my house and was around my family everybody knew who she was so that it wasn't hidden but I knew her family didn't know and then once my grandparents I knew once my grandparents found out that I wasn't allowed to go to her house and that her parents didn't know they were going to be like no this ain't happening she's white yeah she's white they're like no we ain't doing this and so I ended up um let's see uh I ended up um um so you know she had a mom and a stepdad and then she had a biological father um and so um we um once my parents mom parents caught wind like that they were like no you need to kind of leave this situation alone of course me being the young dumb kid that think i know everything i continued to have a secret relationship with her got her a pager and just you know back then they had pagers yeah. you know to page me when nobody was home um, it just really just continued to try to see her in the mornings before school, just doing really dumb stuff, sneaking around, trying to meet up with her. Um, and then, you know, when you're a, kind of a, starting to become a high school known star, like people know you, they know what you drive and know where you're at. And so it was kind of very difficult to kind of hide. I thought I was hiding, but if you really just been in my hometown, like it was like, what was that thing? I was so stupid. And so... I bought this page and saw her biological father, who everyone was like, man, you need to be careful around that guy or whatever. Man, got a hold of the pager. And so my aunt, he he got a hold of the pager. And, uh, you know, I'm paying for it. I want my pager back. And so um, I set up this meeting, which my grandparents was like, man, who cares, blah, blah, blah. So I set up this meeting to meet him at a gas station in public. Um... So I'm a probably freshman sophomore year. My aunt goes with me. She's actually pregnant um, with her first child. My aunt rides there over there with me. I walk up to the truck, and uh, 
his son was driving, who actually was one of my like high school baseball teammates. Mm-hmm. Right, his son was driving, and uh, I walk over to the truck, and the guy, uh, the man, you know, asked her dad, asked like, "Hey, why'd you like? Why, you know, I told you you leave her alone. Like, why did you, you know, why did you give the page?" I'm like, "Man, just to stay in contact with her. Why else?" In the middle of the conversation, he pulls out a, a mini like bat and hits me in my mouth. Like knock my teeth out, um, chip my um, t- bottom the two. Father. Yeah, in front Bust. of the, in front of your baseball teammate son. Yep, in front of my no no no. It was his son. I mean was his, my, his in front of his son was driving. Right. And he was in the passenger side, and I was talking to him yeah. in front of him. Boom, knocks my and then they they and like they speed off. And so my aunt's in the car. She gets out. She's pregnant. She is losing her about to have her baby. And uh, my the cops come, my grandma come, and she gets out of the car. I never forget this. She was literally like in her hands with her hair, like she was so angry. Um, and so, supposedly, there was wind that the plan was to hit me, knock me out, put me on the back of me of the truck, and like take me out in the woods and like kill me. You know. But your aunt being there. My aunt may have kind of, you know. Now that was rumored. Now, do I have proof of that? No, but man, um, the girl was removed from the school. Um, didn't come back. The rest of high school, she was gone. Um, man, it was within an hour. It was probably man thirty, forty people at the house, and my uncles who were a little rough around the edges were there. Um, my high school teammates were ready to, you know, and there was a lot of tension at the school the next day because of it, you know, um, and, and, and really at the end of the day, I remember my grandmother and grandma, grandma, my mom just telling people to remain calm, like, you know, don't, it's not an eye for eye situation. Let's not do this. But man, I had to get like nine stitches in my mouth, um, you know, I had to get, you know, my two teeth had to be surgically replaced. So there's, these are the still same teeth that I had when from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, a little, a chip tooth. I don't know if I still do, um, but I did for a while. I think they fixed it, but I kept it there as a reminder to not trust people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I became, because of that situation, somebody who doesn't trust people mm-hmm. um, very easily. Just because I was naive, I was hard-headed. Don't get me wrong, but I was also naive to the situation, um, and, and it really just it it I really secluded myself and somewhat stayed away from um, the idea of you know don't judge all people. All people aren't the same. All white people are the same. All black people are the same. Because as I've grown and gone in life, man, there are racial white people, racial black people, racial Italian people, racial Greek people, racial Indian people. Like race is not, it doesn't like has a respect. It, it goes across all race, all all people, you know. Um, but at the time, man, I was like, I lost some 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 like trust in people, just period. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think that affected like me as I move forward in life. You know, I just never like even to this day, I don't have a lot of friends in my circle. I stay very guarded. I have to. Mm-hmm. And there's other situations in life I think that came about that remind me of why you have to keep a very, your circle very small. Um, so that was like my first like racial experience. I'm 15, 16, 15 years old, you know, 
um, and, and to go through that was very life changing for me um, and my family. Um, no legal involvement. Yeah, I mean, I think he might have gotten like did a day in jail or something, a little bit of time in jail. It wasn't long. It was a very like slap. Yeah. It was kind of no big deal. And they, but they remained in the community even though she didn't continue to go to the high school. No, yeah, they remained in the community, man. Just kept everybody just... I mean, there were a lot of people that wanted to do some things, man, but we weren't about that. My family, you know, don't get me wrong, was angry. There was a lot of talk about retaliation, but we just, you know, my grandfather and grandmother, my mom, and it just wasn't about that. So it's just more so the guy got to take care of it. Now, that guy ended up dying. You know, the natural causes, you know, over time. But, you know, um, it was just it was just a bad situation. If you're in the Columbia or Sumter or PD areas and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthal. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. You know, I was the high school suite, you know, Mr., you know, Football, basketball, everything. I didn't really, I thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. Like coming up in rec ball, like I told you, they used to sit me out after halftime. I just go like 40 points. And, and then, uh, I mean, overtime, I, f- I think I finally got my, we got our own basketball goal at home, man. We just, I mean, my grandparents really, like, had, if I look at it today, where I'm at now, man, I, I just look at they, they didn't have much, like at all. Like, we didn't have much at home. Like, I, I remember, you know, times where we didn't have, like, you know, milk and certain things that people, you know, you pour out every day. Like, it was, there were times where I had to use water in my cereal or make a banana sandwich. Just, you know, just, you know, my grandparents trying to keep everybody afloat and taking care of, you know, people. My grandmother was was really, a, you know, a, kind of like a a, a house, you know, kind of cleaning lady which you know back in the day they called them slaves you know you know the house house cleaning lady but you know she was cleaning houses for people um just trying to take care of me and 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 the house and you know keep bills paid my grandfather was you know cutting grass fixing cars being a pastor um and and you know um detailing and and you know 
doing weddings and working as a chaplain and just doing things, man. But the Lord just met all our needs. Like I never went without anything. And, you know, it was, as I look back, like, man, you know, struggling. But for me, it was just, it was normal. And I was like happy about having a box fan. Like that was like a big thing. I had a box fan in my window. Like yeah. I was excited about that. And like not knowing, like, like this is like, this is the lower level of, like you're on a low level of, in terms of, economic status we are low you know um and so it was just really like I, I i i'm very thankful for that because that has allowed me to be who i am today um uh, for for having the experiences i've had growing up um you know but i never was abused or you know i got beat i got you know, whoop, you know switches and things like that but not, i never had any abuse or felt neglected um, even though we we didn't make, I may not had a lot of things that other kids had or could afford. Like I couldn't afford to go. Like these kids going to these camps, I couldn't afford that. There's no way my grandparents. There was a way, but I wasn't going to put them in a situation where they would because my grandmother and grandfather, they would sacrifice. They would give everything they had to allow me to go somewhere, and I wouldn't even want to like, try to ask to do put them in that situation to try to you know go off and go to a camp. Like I would never been at Clemson camp. I, I never went to the only way I was able to visit colleges is because some of my other teammates in high school were going to go visit but we were not I wasn't going to I didn't want to sometimes there were some times where I was selfish and maybe I wanted some Reebok pumps or just something and most of the time I would get it because I did work hard in home I did you know help clean my grandma was the biggest pack rack ever she used to pack stuff in my room which is probably why I'm a kind of a little bit of OCD neat freak a little bit now um, but you know, she was a pack rat, but she wasn't nasty. I said, my grandma was a pack rat, but she wasn't nasty. Like she was clean, and but man, she she was a oh man, she would just put stuff. This is my house, and you know, I, if if you ask her something about where you going, none of your business. Don't ask me where I'm going. I'm grown. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm like all right, whatever. You know, and so I used to do stuff like get on get a ladder, climb on top of the house, like you pull up. And I would be on top of the house, and you'd be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I would just look at you and smile and like, jump off the top of the house. <laughs> like I was doing stuff like that. I was that like I was a boy climbing the trees, jumping off trees, swinging in trees. Like you would have to find me. You'd have to yell to get me home. Like I was not gonna be in the house on a watching TV. None of that. I was outside. Either I was gonna go around the corner and play in like the local projects and where there was glass and stuff out. You know, I had some friends that, you know, didn't live the lifestyles that my grandparents would have approved of. You know, I went through a little phase where, you know, I was going to be cool and, and uh, you know, used to go to Florida because a lot of my my cousins and family and, and some of my friends even had families in Florida and they went to the phase where they wanted to put the gold teeth into my mouth. I went through that phase like I was going to be cool and that didn't work. I would put some... Um, you know, ten four. You High know, in, in like middle school. Middle. Yeah, I was in middle school putting ten four, trying to be cool, with gold in my mouth. Like, <laughs> I look back, I laugh at myself. What are you thinking? It didn't last long. Yeah. And I realized, like, man, this ain't me. Like, I'm a freaking preacher's son. I'm a PK. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and, and like going to church, man. I, I love I love going to church. Not for that I have a relationship with God because I love music. I love playing the the. The, 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 the drums at the time I played drums up until I was like 11 or 12 years old and the girls loved it and I loved it the girls loved it and so I was you know 
It's like, oh, you know, look at Bishop Holland grandson. He's so cute, blah, blah, blah. So girls used to come to church. Like, even when we traveled to other churches, they knew once they heard, like, Holy Ghost Assembly, which is, uh, we were a church of God in Christ. So it was like, Holy Ghost Assembly is coming. They knew that I was going to be there. And so girls would come, like, from other high schools uh, just to, you know, when my granddaddy got up to preach, I'd step out the back door and they would come outside to go to the bathroom and we'd <laughs> exchange letters or notes and, and go back. And it was, look, like, it was just cute fun, man. I look back at it now. Um, but, man, I went everywhere with my grandfather. And then I think at the age of 13, I began, I started, like, um, I think my, I don't know, there was a break for some reason. My parent, grandparents were gone and my uncle wasn't around and it took me about a week and a half to learn how to play bass. I don't, I have no idea, but I had, and you know this as a, it was just drummer, like the bass and the drums work together. And so I had just been playing since I was five years old. You know, you're talking about, you know, some, you know, up to, you know, seven for the next seven years, I've been listening to the bass guitar and, you know, I can, I play by ear, and so I can, you know, I know how to get in the right key. I can hear people's voices and find them on my guitar or wow. bass. And so I just, you know, I just, for some reason, I knew. And so when I picked up the bass, I watched them so much, I just picked it up. And, I, I you know, I, you know, you pick up a bass, and I feel around, doing, doing, you know. But then my cousin, he just, he was, uh, um, James Harris is his name, and uh, he showed me how to play bass. And so, like, he showed me, I learned in, like, two weeks. And then about a year, I, like, I surpassed him. Like, really? I was the dude, you know. <laughs> and so I can kill a bass guitar, even to this day. Uh -huh. um, now, um, I have a six-string, five-string, four-string. I play them all. And I've played in concerts. I've played uh, neo-soul music. I've played for quartet groups. I've played for gospel choirs. Um, I've been a part of the NFL gospel choir. Um, I've, um, you know, I've done it all. Like to this day, when I go home, if I go home this weekend, hey, or are, are you playing? What are you doing? I heard you're in town. Can you come over here and play here? Or hey, can you travel with us to play this? You know, um, you know. Um, I've been asked one time. I went to speak engagement, and the gentleman was like, hey, um, you know. Uh, name is Jarvis Mims and, and it's the Mims singers and it's a group of you know women who are, are knowing it and they are fan, fabulous he's like hey you know we're playing are you how long are you gonna be in town and I was like man I'll be honored and so play for them like I've I've done it all and so uh, I, I've been you know I played at a Super Bowl party before when I was with the Steelers and nobody even knew that I was playing on the bass and then went to drums the whole concert because we were, you know, celebrating the Super Bowl. And I go, oh, Nicky. So they was like, what? You play, play drums, guitar? And so I was like, yeah. And so I'm also a barber. Okay. You know, you can share that now because I, I, I um, so I became a barber because one day, and I'm a, I'm a person who would try things. Like I have a lot of my grandfather and my, biological father genes in me so I try to fix stuff and I'm very creative and I like to move stuff around too like I don't like looking at the same thing all the time but I can I like I like to be different and so man I was I watched my grandma she's old school she'd take a bowl put it on the put it on your head to get it even and cut it up edge it around 
but she wouldn't fade it in, so you just had like a ball and then a bowl haircut, right? <laughs> but she didn't know how to like, you know, do the fade. And so, man, I was, I, she came home one day. I was going to, um, I think I made with my brother or somebody. And she told me, she's like, if you messed it up, I'm going to beat you up behind like that. And so here I am, like, oh, I'm going to cut. And I'm like, I done got started. And so... When my grandmother said that you, she was gonna beat you, like that's that wasn't like a threat. That was like going to happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you were going to get beat, <laughs> which is something that I probably, like, if I talk to my players, like if I say that you skip class, you're going to run. You're going to run. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna run you. I'm gonna get you at some point in time. And so, I'm in there cutting, and I did like a really good job. And so I just kept cutting, cutting, man. So I became like a self-made like barber. Like, and that's how I made money when I got to Clemson um, by cutting players' hair. I got sick of doing it because, um, you know, guys would be in my room the night before games. They wanted haircuts. And even though the money was good, I was up instead of resting, like yeah. cutting hair all night. And so when I got to the NFL, I didn't tell anybody I knew how to play. Um, did I not play, but I know how to cut hair. And nobody knew how to play. I'm a musician. Because once people found out I was a musician, they wanted lessons. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but I'm not a, I'm not, I'm self-made. Like, you, you know, I don't read music. I can read guitar music. I can read sheet music for a guitar or bass, but I don't know how to read music. I can play by ear, which I think is more fascinating in, for me too, um, to be able to do that, you know, to be able to hear and then play it back. And so, you know, I, um, you know, um, it was, you know, I, I, I was, I had a good childhood, um, you know, I had never, and being raised by my grandparents, like my grandfather, I never, so you my, like I've had a lot of death in my life. I think the first funeral I ever went to was a lady, a young girl who I had a crush on. Now I'm like eight years old, seven years old, and this girl who I had beautiful long hair that I love so much, man. Her and her mom would walk, and then somebody hit them. And so that was the first, like, funeral I had been to. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know, because I was with my grandfather. I was went with him everywhere because I was a musician. I played. And so that really done something to me. Like, to, that's why I was like, I don't take young kids to funerals because that just mentally, uh -huh. like, that vision is still in my brain. I'm 42 years old, and I can, I remember that, like, for the rest of my life. Like, the first time, like holy smokes like like this is death this is what they look like when they die and man I, that just did something to me and um you know just you know you know like visually like remember remembering that now um but uh man life is good no 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 everything was pushed lawnmower we lived on for it you got to push it like so no zero turns no riding lawnmowers just pushing everything you know, I, I become addicted to food and had a lot of struggles with my weight because, like, my grandma was the best cook ever, made the best pancakes you could ever. Like, when I came home, it was full-course buffet every single meal. Like, whatever, what you want. And that was it. It was grits, eggs, bacon, pancakes, uh, grits, casserole. I mean, it was off. It was amazing. And, um, you know, I remember... My aunt, my my grandfather, my uncle hit a deer one night. They brought it home and, and gut the deer out, clean them <laughs> on the spot, chop them up, put them in there. It didn't go through like no deer process, and we couldn't afford that, yeah. you know. 
Um, but man, it was life was good, man. I, I don't like having like I don't you know people have abuse you know, but I was I think I and I had trust trust issue and trust people very well. But I was so used to being like I I was leader of plays. I was in a choir. You know, I did all my speeches. And so like being in front of people and having to speak just comes natural to me. Um, just even being the son of a preacher and being a son of a school teacher on top of those. Like I don't get I never got stage fright in front of people whatsoever. Um, always been a little bit of a, you know, I was a, I was a class clown. But at the same time, when it was time to work, it was time to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had uh, a friend of mine, um, childhood friend who killed a dude over seventy five dollars. Come to school the next day, standing in school in the hallways with us, like no big deal. You know, I've had friends of mine that have been locked up for an extended period of time for selling drugs. Um, I've had a um, brother who's done some some time and and dabbling into some you know drugs. Um, you know, but I never got involved with that stuff. Um, I had an experience with my uncle, um, one of my uncles, who uh, shot up heroin in front of me, a uh, needle. And he didn't do it. He didn't bring me in the room to do it in front of me. I just happened to be at his house, and I walked in on him. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, he had the needle in, so he can't, like, rip it out. And and I sat there, and he didn't tell me to get out. He just looked at me and said, if I ever... If I ever catch you using drugs I'll kill you mm-hmm. like that like even though he knew he was in the wrong he they made sure that like I could we're gonna do this stuff but you can't how and, old were you oh I was like seven years old mm-hmm. and walking in on him like shooting up hair on mm-hmm. and his arm and he's like you you I, I you you can't do it yeah, but I say if I ever see you doing drugs I'll kill you and so I've never got involved with drugs in my life mm-hmm. um and so those are like, you know, powerful moments, you know, going through that, um, which was just like, man, you know, as I look back, like, man, how did I, you know, survive, man? I just, I was just thankful for, I always talk about being thankful for the ice and your tea, man. I, I was thankful. I miss those days, honestly. I mean, I've lived in a lot of nice homes. I've driven a lot of nice cars. I've never stayed in a place that have central heat or air. But I mean, sometimes, man, I, I, I miss that peace i miss the people from back then because those are some of the best times of my life just and i didn't have i couldn't afford the things that i'm wearing now and the cars that i drive and the places i go as much as i travel and in no way but i was at peace i had a peace of mind and i didn't have you know deal with some of the stress that i've dealt with over the last you know 15 years or 20 years of my life since i left home um but I mean, it was it was good, you know. I didn't have a, my grandfather and my grandmother were my they, so my mom I called Ma, mommy and my my grandmother I called mama, and so my grandmother was mama and my grandfather was daddy, and I didn't know my biological father, and I never really missed them or never really even cared because my grand, grandfather filled the void. Now my uncle, you know, Vince, and then I have my friends, my neighbor next door. Um, John, 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 uh, John McManus, um, John, John, I call him John, John, um, and then, uh, Marion Nicholas was my other, uh, young friend. It was just like us three. We grew up together and, um, man, we just played, played, played together every day. I mean, um, and, and then that was just life for me, you know, we never really fought much. I never fought them. You know, but we just kind of stuck together, and we woke up every day. I come there, I come to mine, and 
you know, and you just you just live in life. You kind of my grandparents are gone, but we all of us had really good parents. They all knew each other, respected one another, man. Just blue collar working people that just went to work every day and we never really got in nothing crazy, you know. Um, I've done silly stuff like st- stuck my hand on a, a exhaust of a lawnmower when I was like six years old and burned myself, you know, just because, you know, that's just me. Like I was just into stuff as a kid. Like I was not a follower. I was definitely a leader alpha when I look back as a kid, like kids wanted to be with me. They want, where are you going? I'm coming with you. And so kids are always flocking wanting to try to hang out or just try to be around me since I was younger that I look back at it now mm-hmm. um but man I just I was you know funny um very mischievous very sneaky very you know pranks you know I was just oh man I remember riding around my friends and we throw smoke bombs and be open people's door open your door and throw a smoke bomb here smoke your house up People you didn't know? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, take that's take off of the bicycle. That's worse than putting your hand on a, on a, on a lawnmower exhaust. <laughs> oh, man. So, I, I tell you. So, man, you know, uh, you know that, that experience I explained earlier with the young lady and the dad is probably the worst thing in high school. And then in the segregated proms, man, it's just, that was just so messed up at the time. But I didn't know that. Like, that was so normal. Like black prom, white prom, black and white cone coming queens. Yeah. So in the moment, it's just it doesn't affect you at all. Only later when you when you start to when move I on when moment. I got here, man, it was like I had like I had a white friend from New Jersey, right? Um, and she's like, "Hey, my parents want to meet you," and I pause, and I'm like, "Your parents want to meet me? Why?" I'm asking all these questions. You know, and keep in mind what it trend happened. You know, I'm like questioning her, like why, you know, and she's like, man, what is with you? And I'm like, you know, I told her the story, and I'm like, hey, where I'm from, like, you know, my, you know, I had white friends that were out with my teammates, and I got along with them well. I had white friends in school, and the the few white females that I did talk to had their own lines in their room and their parents didn't know that they come reverse with me and they were not women that I was trying to pursue either they were just friends but they had to sneak to like talk to me mm-hmm. um and um and so um but yeah I get to Clemson and they're like your parent like your parents don't meet me for what and and I had been like so consumed in the world I've been in that you know I was like uncomfortable with doing that I mean, I eventually, but I was, because of the environment I had been in, like, I was just, and what had happened to me, I was just so comfortable. Not that I had, I didn't have anything against anybody, but I was just like, you know, I couldn't believe that. And I I remember that when I was 13, my aunt, 13 or 14 years old, my aunt went off to the military, she was in the Air Force, and we drove to, I think, Montgomery, um, there might be a military. She was stationed there somewhere. It's a military base in Alabama somewhere. We drive over there, and I get to the front door and knock on her door, which is what I thought was her door. A white guy opens the door, and I'm like, this is the wrong house. And like that, it was my aunt's boyfriend who she ended up marrying. Mm-hmm. But like to see a white guy come to the door, I'm like, wrong house. <laughs> and he's like laughing, but he was from, you know, D.C., and he introduced me to like hip hop music, like Tribe Called Quest, Far Side, 
and I really love music. And so I never listened to like Pastor Troy and all the sudden, you know, Master P. Like I never got into that. I was into like Farside and a lot of underground hip hop and music that had a lot of melody and stuff to it that really had a lot of lyrics that talked about life, not about killing, stabbing and shooting, yeah. which is what a lot of people were into at the time. It was more about like life, you know. Um, and so, um, but yeah, I got here and so I got to Clemson, um, and man, you know, it was, you know, wasn't a culture shock for me because my school was probably, you know, it was probably 70%, probably 60, 40 white to black here. It was like 1.1%. And that was the athletes. (laughs) oh man but i didn't i mean i had the best time of my life man i i I never experienced i never experienced anything racial when i was here at clemson um um you know and racism will always forever exist on so many levels everywhere i mean it's it ain't just here clemson ain't in georgia it's in california new york too you know on so many different levels um but when you are in that environment, in that world that I was in, you kind of get caught up into those conversations all the time, right? Um, but man, here it was it was good. Um, I lived with, I think Matt Shell was my roommate, um, who was a quarterback for a very short period of time, and then I moved in with Brian McNeil, and uh, who I'm still friends with today. Uh, I remember being late for a practice when they overslept I alarmed at golf and Tommy West up down the whole team a hundred up down the whole entire team at the practice. Just I ran you. I ran for weeks because that's back Hazen was still big time back <laughs> yeah. then and they beat the you know what out of you. I mean, they called it scoop. It was like scoop, scoop, scoop and I never knew what that was. And I'm like, what is school? And they're like, oh, you're going to find out. And I'll be like, <laughs> you know, me, I was like a hothead. I'll be damn, you know, I ain't finding out nothing. But, man, I was, you know, I got in a fight the first day I got here. And I don't even know, like, if you had met me, I was like a preacher's kid. But I had, like, I got a switch, you know. Um, and, and it's just, you know, I've never been like, you know, I don't argue with women. Like, I'm not going to be the type of, like, getting a whole argument with somebody, you know, a female. But men, oh, let's go. You know, I'm all for that. You know, man, that's just, and I think it's just because I had so much respect. I, I I mean, I was that's the way I was raised. And I have so much re- utmost respect for my grandmother and my grandmother. Grandmother and my mom and my aunts and, you know, all the people that poured them in the missionaries at our church. Um, you know, my church was like a... You know, people are shouting, speaking in tongues, falling out, passing out. It's one of those, you know, it's like a, it's like, it's like 45 minutes of hit training. <laughs> <laughs> people are moving, speaking in tongues. It's like a freaking Holy Ghost club, you know, it's just, it's entertaining for yeah. sure. You will not be going to sleep. Your eyes will be like, uh, you know, uh, you know, your eyes will be everywhere. Funny story. This literally happened. I was playing on the base one Sunday and a lizard is in comes in a church. It's a lizard or a rat. I think it's a, it was a lizard. So I'm in a corner, in musician corner. So the lizard goes, and so the lizard goes into like where our missionary set. If you walk in the church, missionary set to the right, deacon set on the left. And all of a sudden, like service is going on, like we're playing in the middle of a song and people are praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, you see all the missionaries like this, like they like this, stuff, like all their feet and move, and you can see where the lizard was at. 
because people were like, oh, you know, like moving and all yeah. that. <laughs> so, <laughs> my uncle's at the pass at the time. He got up. He's like, man, I thought I, there was the, the spirit of the Lord was moving, and it's a lizard in the church because he's seen the people like yeah. go crazy. <laughs> All right, wow, this guy's one of a kind. Nick Eason is. Hope y'all enjoyed that. We will provide part two uh, next week. I think we'll do parts two and three next week. So stay tuned for that. Appreciate the support of our sponsors. Also, most of all, thanks to each and every one of you for hitting that play button. Cheers.